From Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Chew. I'm your host, Shakita Griffith. In each episode of this podcast, I talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, I spoke with Aliyah Hefner, class of 2010, an entrepreneur providing resources to college students through her company, Black Girl STEM World. As I do with most of these interviews, I began the conversation by asking how and when Aaliyah became interested in her occupation. I'll say that the last puzzle piece was really being an instructor and the conversations that I'd have with students about just life in general, right? And then you find out that they don't know that there's a career center or that there's a place that they can go to get free tutoring. And it's like, but, but you've been on campus for three years. What do, you, what do you mean you don't know? Your tuition pays for this. What do you mean you don't know? And so it started with those kinds of things where students were not familiar with the resources available, but also they were afraid to use them, especially underrepresented minorities, first-generation students, they're kind of iffy about using them because, oh, well, I don't want to look like I don't know anything because I'm getting a tutor. And it's like, well, you don't know anything. That's why you're here. That's okay. That's what, use the services. (laughs) Yeah. So it started from there and then realizing that there are a lot of strategies and techniques that our students just don't have coming into college. They think that getting the degree is it. That's the magic ticket. And that's just wrong. It's been wrong for decades now that you need more than just a degree. You need experiences. You need a network. You need opportunities ready for you. As soon as you grab that diploma and shake that person's hand, those student loans are due and you need to have an opportunity on the other other side of that. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And then could you also talk about your journey towards becoming a lecturer? Because you do have this duality happening. Yeah, so I didn't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to do it at all. When I first started graduate school, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go into big pharma, pharmaceutical industry for the uninitiated. And I'm going to make some big bucks, do my nine to five, shake off my feet go home and be a regular person. No. Didn't work out that way. (laughs) No, it did not. And I would go to all the lunches and stuff. One, I'm a grad student, right? Free lunch. But two, you go, you hobnob, you meet people, you know, how did you get to where you are? And none of it resonated with me. I wanted it to so much. But none of it really struck me like, I could do that for the rest of my life. Or I could see that as being a stepping stone for what I want to do forever. It just didn't hit the same as mentoring and teaching. I always had an undergraduate researcher. I tutored, you know, I was the lab mom. So those kinds of things were really fulfilling for me. And there was just this voice that's like, you're going to teach. And I was like, no, but there's, but how do I pay for life? (laughs) teaching is not rewarded (laughs) yeah Um, but I I tried not to but I couldn't help myself calling you back (laughs) yes yes and it was just so fulfilling to interact with students and to see the aha moment when they really understand something in the lab 
or I TA'd only for a semester because by the grace of God, I had scholarships. So, um, well, we call them fellowships when you get to graduate school. But so I didn't, I couldn't because I had money, Um, but I wanted to teach more. And I really enjoyed the students. I was working with nursing students who, you know, the grade requirement was high and they were freaked out because it was their first semester on campus. And they're taking this crash course in general chemistry, organic and biochemistry. So it was terrifying for them. That would be terrifying for most. Yeah. Yes. So they, and the section that I helped teach was on metabolism, which is very complex. There's a lot to memorize and they've literally never seen this material before. So there are literally words they've never heard or seen before, and they have to know what they are, define them, know all of these crazy pathways. So it was really intimidating, but to see the light bulbs come on one by one, especially in my student hours, it was so fulfilling. And I was like, man, I don't want this to be so good. (laughs) (laughs) But then you knew that was the path to take. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Awesome. And so, you know, I would imagine, again, especially as an entrepreneur, as a lecturer, there's probably no typical day, (laughs) but as much as possible, could you give us a sense of what does your working life or as typical a day as possible look like? Yeah. So I like to think about my days in blocks. So each day may not be the same, but I have the same kind of blocks in each day. I work from home primarily. Once the pandemic hit, I was teaching online, which Mm -hmm. was great. And then I facilitate workshops from home. I do them virtually. So that just kind of stuck. And so I have the mixture of home life and work life every day. So I've got my work block where I get up early and have a couple of hours before the world wakes up to stretch look at my email, right. you know, do things quickly that would normally take me a while longer because there are kids and I just get to kind of breathe a little bit. Then I have my kid block or my family block where we do a meal together or something. So it kind of alternates between kind of work block, family block, we do homeschooling. Um, and then if I have a meeting or a workshop or something that's scheduled, then everything else gets scheduled around that. But the flexibility is I can make Friday a family day if I don't have anything going on. So it's not like Monday through Friday from this time to this time. It's whenever, which is really freeing and terrifying if you're unmotivated. At the same time, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, if you aren't self-motivated and directed, then you can just say, well, family month. (laughs) <laughs> and just yeah, and just and call it a day. Month is not quite, not quite gonna cut it, right? No, doesn't pay the bills. Mortgage right. company, uh, they don't they don't take that as payment. Yeah. <laughs> and so on the entrepreneurial side, can you talk through a little bit, you know, how you've grown this business and your services? Ooh, so that's an ever ongoing thing, and because of all the social media and all the places that people are, part of your job, the biggest part is PR. So being on LinkedIn, being on Twitter, having some kind of a presence on YouTube, and you're not just trying to reach faculty and staff, you're trying to reach out to students. So I have a channel for students. I've got a channel for my website. It's all the things. So it's reading up on education-related news for higher ed. 
and kind of staying abreast of those things and then networking. So reaching out, reaching back to the people that helped you and then connecting through their networks to other people. So connecting back to Muhlenberg has been helpful. Reaching out to University of Michigan, which is where I went to graduate school. So reaching out to the places that you have a known presence and then working your way out. So that, that's the biggest thing, you know, is, is networking through other people. And I don't know that we actually said what your company is. Can you actually? Oh, yeah. So we should do that. that? <laughs> yeah. So um, it's Black Girl STEM World, which is a very interesting name because it's a very interesting me. So I am a PhD biochemist by training. And apparently those are very rare. And I realized just kind of in all the experiences that I've had going all the way from, you know, primary and secondary school, you know, high school and stuff that I'm different. And I, I just kind of, I was born old, you know, <laughs> born wise because we'll I just kind of wise, looked around. Wise. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with wise, not old yet. So I just looked around me and was like, I need something better than this. I mean, this is grateful for my family and everything, but I, if I'm going to do well in life, I need better educational resources. So I was always on the search for that. And that kind of led me to realize that everyone doesn't have that awakening and they don't always have it before they really need it. So these workshops are really geared towards helping students realize earlier on all the resources that they have available to them, all the kind of mental and emotional work that needs to be done to be prepared and to stay ready for the next thing. We always talk about academic preparedness, but we don't talk about the mental and emotional space that you need to be in to be successful in college and to network, to be ready for graduate or professional school, if that's what you choose, to maintain a healthy balance of work and all the other things after you graduate, or even while you're in school, because a lot of students work. So a lot of my workshops focus on that kind of self-care, getting your mind right, and thinking about all the things outside of academic preparedness. But then there are some that kind of help you use your resources and encourage you to think and dream about who you want to be and where you want to be so that when you get that diploma, you're on the right track for doing that. Kind of a little bit of a callback. You mentioned that through the pandemic, you've been able to work remotely. And so how would you say that's affected, right, overall your, your launching the company, right, your ability to teach? So how has the pandemic affected your world? <laughs> well, a lot. When we first went remote, I was like, oh man, I teach chemistry. And that semester I was teaching a lot of intro chemistry courses. So, and a lab and a, an upper level biochemistry lab. So it's like, what do I do? <laughs> and the intro chemistry courses, I do a lot of writing. I don't like death by PowerPoint. I do a lot of writing. I go around the room, work on problems and groups. I get to know the students. So I know their names, I know their faces. And when they don't show up for two weeks and then they show up again, I'm like, Rayshawn, where you been? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so it's harder to have that 
when you're using Zoom or like Blackboard or Canvas. So all of the students were like, we're all going to die. And I was like, look, so are the instructors. And it was really a time to be open with them to say, look, we're in this together. No one was prepared for this. And I'm not going to act like I am. So grace for everybody. And we just kind of found our stride together. And that really helped because the students really were panicked about their grades and how they were going to survive. And there's a, there were several students who just kind of fell off the map because they didn't have that anchor of being somewhere away from family, away from stress and distraction. And so if they were already struggling with chemistry, it was much easier to just hit the snooze button, be somewhere else, do something else, work extra hours and just not participate or do the work. But for a lot of students, it was almost freeing in a sense because I started recording lectures and posting them to YouTube so they could watch the lectures because you can't teach online for an hour and get through the same type of content that you would in person. So I would pre-post what we were gonna do for whatever chapter And then in class, we would just be working problems. So they could be watching lecture on break at work. They could be watching it whenever, wherever, because YouTube is everywhere, it's on your phone. And then we come together and we do some problems and you get feedback, which is what they really wanted. That was the biggest thing that they were concerned about. How do we do practice problems and learn where we're going wrong and where our thinking is going wrong so that we can do well on the test? So that ability to be flexible, the Mm -hmm. word of the past two years to pivot, (laughs) uh, you know, and make things work. But I I also appreciate you saying that you were in it together and you were hearing what your students were saying and what they said they needed in order to make that remote class and situation work. The other side of like starting the business was so during the pandemic, we had a pandemic baby, (laughs) like a lot of other people did. and so the convenience of being able to take care of my child and still work was really nice. And I didn't want to give that up because my family is very, very important to me. And I didn't have a family just so that I can leave them every day and be at work for, you know, 10, 12 hours and come home and be like, all right, good night, y'all. I didn't want to do that. So it was really rewarding to me to be able to teach a couple of classes and then go have lunch with my kids and my husband. It was really, really nice. And I didn't want to give that up. So between my experiences being able to be more of a family woman, wear the role of mom more so during the day and still do what I love and then seeing the gaps and voids that students had, that business just made sense. It started before the business came to be. I was doing this. I was incorporating this information into my courses, but you can only reach with so many people. And I still have 10 or 12 chapters of chemistry to cover. So you can't fit in that that much. Yeah, it almost becomes competing. Yes, yes. Because the students want to stay on that instead of the chemistry. And it's like, well, look, y'all, this isn't a life skills course. This is a chemistry course. And I mean, we're talking about seniors, senior students that are graduating in a semester or two that are having revelation that they should have had freshman, sophomore year. 
Yeah. So it was really eye-opening for me, especially during the pandemic, when they didn't know there's a dean that I can talk to. There's a chair of the department of the the course that I'm taking that's under some academic umbrella. So there were some real disconnects between the students and understanding their rights, understanding who to talk to when they had problems or needed help. And that just solidified it for me. Like, okay, I want to stay home with my kids, my family. I want to help students more so than just teaching them chemistry and life problem solving skills. Let's put the two together. Yeah. And I think that's ideal, right? To be able to have that own, your own revelation in that your passion and purpose can become a business and can be the daily work that you're pursuing. So thanks for sharing that. And so now that you have still both of these roles going on, what are some of the most challenging and rewarding aspects on on either side? I would say the most challenging is the kind of sales and marketing side of the business. So every day, if you're not doing a workshop or having a meeting to land a workshop or something, you're not making money. So that means that you have to constantly be on the hunt for connections. You have to be constantly reaching out to people, um, reading up on people and figuring out who you want to talk to next and then building the bridge from where you are to that person. You have to be available during the hours that they're available and everyone doesn't work the typical nine to five. So that part is challenging because I am at home. And so there's always the draw to do something else. I love to cook. I love to bake. I've been baking my own bread before the pandemic hit. So, (laughs) you know, it's like, you know, maybe I'll just go bake something. No, 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 no. Stay at your computer, (laughs) you know? So that's a challenge, you know, having to stay focused to do the dirty work, I call it. But the reward in being able to give my kid a hug or to have a family meal in the middle of the day, to put my son down for a, a nap, you know, and have that personal time is really, there's nothing, nothing compares to that. And it's worth all the work to be able to still experience those moments and be a successful career woman. Yeah, which is just awesome. And so my closing question for you is what guidance or advice would you give to someone who's interested in doing the type of work you do? Be sure. It's hard to know 100% like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. But there has to be something in you that says, if I don't do this, there's a part of me that's going to die. And for me, it was that if I don't help students in this way, if I don't give them as much information and help them be armed to do their best, I don't feel like I am doing my purpose. So it has to be that deep in order for you to have the drive and the motivation to do it, because anything you do is going to require a lot of effort. And if you're trying to put all this effort into something that you hate just for the dollars, you're not going to do it as well, and you won't be able to sustain it. You might burn bridges that could lead you to your passion. So it's really, it's going to destroy you more than build you up. So find what that passion is and follow it, even if it seems silly, even if it feels like no one else is doing it, it's okay. Maybe that's just your spot. 
This episode of 2400 True was produced by the Office of Alumni Affairs at Muhlenberg College. It was recorded remotely and engineered in the studios of WMUH, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band.